got it. Well, uh, <clears throat> good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And, of course, the Red Wings are facing the facing elimination. What a tough break for Lilia. I think, you know, he's been kind of one of the unsung heroes. And, unfortunately, if the Wings lose the series, he'll be remembered for that boneheaded play he made in yesterday's game. But Well, one of those happens. things that uh, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to accept or to uh, deal with. But uh, the game of hockey is a game of bounces and breaks. Yep. And when you consider that the Wings had a number of opportunities on the power play, hit the post several times, uh, Holmstrom shot one right you know, through the crease, parallel to the goal line, you're going to have games like that. Um, and not clearing the puck uh, with 47 <clears throat> seconds by Franzen, you know, another yeah. player that's been actually an unsung hero who's overall played quite well. I think the phrase facing elimination, though, is uh, a little... A little bit much at this point. I'm uh, pretty comfortable, and I think the Wings have the experience and the uh, confidence to realize that uh, they had control of that game. Yeah, and I and, think uh, they. I think they will prevail and force a game seven. Once you get to game seven, it's anybody's, you know, any anything can pancake. Happen. But yeah. I'm I'm pretty confident, as I think uh, the Wings are, that uh, that there will be a game seven in Detroit. Well, the interesting thing about hockey is uh, often, as we've seen over the years, uh, sometimes the team that plays best doesn't win because of fluky puck bounces. Right. You know, even the goal that Hasek uh, allowed, yeah, with 47 seconds, that just hit a stick and flipped over his shoulder, and he's been absolutely incredible. And quite frankly, uh, in Game One, I thought the Ducks outplayed us, and we won that game. So yeah, exactly. I think it's been a series where uh, sometimes the team that's actually played better has not prevailed. So that's uh, that's hockey for you. And um, well, it's uh, an interesting sport. It's competitive and uh, very enjoyable to watch. So we'll root for the Wings nonetheless and hope for the best. Yep, there will be a Game Seven. And, of course, somebody that's in deep doo-doo is uh, President Bush. Uh, obviously, last week, I think Tony Blair showed up in Washington to sort of distract the media for a couple of days. Uh, just an absolutely terrible week. Um, appoints a war czar. Uh, come on. Uh, that's your job, dude. <laughs> and uh, the Gonzalez revelations just keep getting more bizarre and worse. And for George Bush today and... Crawford, Texas, to call this a pure political theater uh, is ludicrous. Um, there have been, I think, about eight or nine Republican senators that have called for Gonzalez to resign. Um, their perspective, of course, is that this is a scandal that isn't going to go away. And it gets worse. I mean, these revelations about the NSA... Uh, intervention by, by Gonzalez and uh, Card uh, trying to force John Ashcroft to sign a piece of paper while he's in the hospital. Yeah, that's really the stuff of uh, sort of Soviet-era spy thriller yeah. type of uh, chicanery. And it's very analogous, interestingly, by the way, to the, to the uh, time when Ronald Reagan, who was uh, bedridden uh, with polyp uh, infestation in the in colon... Infestation in the colon, uh, as you once uh, pointed out, there was a great uh, sign on, on the rock that said, <laughs> remove Reagan, not the polyps. <laughs> but um, 
Reagan, of course, was anethnicized for uh, some period of time back then, and uh, George Bush's father was acting president when, mysteriously, the uh, conspirators in the Iran-Contra affair uh, went in to uh, get Ronald Reagan to sign a finding authorizing Israel to start shipping arms secretly to Iran yep. uh, pretty much less than two years after uh, Iran was linked to the Hezbollah marine truck bombing in Lebanon. Um, those events have never been satisfactorily explained, but I think that this, uh, shall we say, uh, hospital bed uh, mentality of how power is uh, thrown around Washington has uh, reared its ugly head. And I can only say that uh, the Justice Department under Ed Meese has gone from bedtime with Bonzo to nightmare with Gonzo. <laughs> We'll have to draw up a cartoon uh, depicting that uh, event. And uh, by the way, just on that NSA business, in general, uh, there was an absolutely superb uh, frontline uh, documentary last week called Spying on the Home Front. Hmm. I would urge uh, listeners out there, if they've got their good old uh, computers, to check that uh, episode out because this uh, gives the... A kind of an interest, interesting story about the the whole uh, Bush uh, presidency regarding um, spying on Americans. Uh, this, by the way, is just one aspect of uh, Gonzalez's tenure, uh, both in the White House and as a White House counsel and as Attorney General, that need further uh, investigation by Congress, because uh, we were told in the documentary uh, that was pretty much. Uh, shall we say, authored by Hendrick Smith, uh, a very prominent uh, mainstream journalist who uh, is an author and used to actually write for the New York Times back in the 70s, uh, you know, premier journalist type. Uh, one of the most troubling things in my mind is the fact that uh, they showed some excerpts of Gonzalez testifying to an outraged uh, Senate Judiciary Committee regarding the so-called NSA program and Gonzalez uh, kept kind of jokingly and euphemistically referring to, well, uh, we're, we're talking about this program, the preposition this being significant, because as one of the critics noted, there are apparently dozens and dozens of data mining programs that are currently in uh, operation by the U.S. government, uh, the uh, frontline uh, feature Spying on the Home Front, which aired last Tuesday, pointed out that there are 199 data mining programs at more than 50 government agencies. And what this uh, program showed was that the government, the NSA, actually utilizes uh, private corporations. Uh, interestingly, private corporations are not covered under federal wiretapping laws. And the program sort of featured an AT&T facility uh, in San Francisco in which the NSA sort of covertly went in and apparently uh, with permission from AT&T corporate officials, and of course there's a lawsuit pending regarding this, went into the notorious room 641 and installed a Neris STA 6400 computer, which apparently is one of the top-notch uh, data mining computers out there by this private corporation, Neris, 
which uh, interestingly, by the way, is Latin for uh, to know. <laughs> and what they've done is they have uh, put in what's known as a splitter so that all of the phone, internet, financial transactions, etc., that go through A&T, and T's uh, uh, internet uh, slash phone system, and of course many of these now have been co-joined as uh, consumer uh, you know options that you have out there, is actually siphoned off into the NSA computers, and that uh, they have these so-called Neris 6400 uh, Neris STA 6400 uh, computers at some 15 to 20 other locations around the country. Um, th- this spine on the home front featured a, uh, a little episode from Las Vegas uh, back uh, around New Year's of 2003-2004. And, of course, uh, the NSA had gotten some terror warning that justified them going into Vegas and going into the private corporations. By the way, Vegas, by the way, is an unbelievably surveilled city. Like triply and quadruply surveilled. Uh, a yeah. relative of mine works uh, for worked for a time for the casinos in Detroit, and you've got surveillance cameras that scrutinize the games. You've got guys who scrutinize those videos. You've got guys who scrutinize the watchers, and there are watchers of watchers of watchers. And there are even, uh, from my perspective, interestingly, um, video and audio monitors in all the cabs. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the sheriff, a, a Bill Young was quoted as saying, yeah, you're pretty much under video audio surveillance anywhere you go in Vegas except, quote, uh, your bedroom and your, your hotel room and, your, and the bathroom. But uh, one wonders uh, if he's yeah. fully disclosing the truth there. Especially if you've seen the film The Thousand Eyes of Dr. Mabuse, one of Fritz Lang's last films um, about a former Nazi embassy converted into a hotel. Yeah, and of course this is part of the shall we say, underreported story of how the Bush administration has systematically seized power and how the Fourth Amendment is pretty much null and void. It would be uh, maybe appropriate if our uh, friends that are so concerned about the Second Amendment would uh, concern themselves about mm. the Fourth Amendment, because I would argue that uh, since Ronald Reagan came into power, the GOP has systematically been um, making the Fourth Amendment null and void, uh, because as John Yu who actually was the author of the torture memo, he was one of the people featured on this uh, frontline program, pointed out the issue is reasonable. Well, <laughs> reasonable is a nice vague word. What's reasonable and what isn't? Uh, and when you justify everything under the rubric of the war on terror, because um, you kept asserting that Bush had these uh, constitutional rights uh, given to him by the Constitution under the war powers, but uh, there has been no declaration of war, uh, you know, the so-called war on terror, whatever right. that means. It's, it's pure nonsense. And it's uh, amazing when George Bush continues to assert all of this power on the grounds, as he put it at one point. It's a necessary part of my job to protect you. Oh. Well, you certainly protected America on 9-11, A, uh, given all the warnings that you were given and that have now been documented as occurring. Uh, by people in the CIA and uh, special uh, aspects of uh, of the National Security Council that were repeatedly alerting Condoleezza Rice and George Bush about these uh, plots that were in the works. 
um, you failed at protecting us, and uh, George Bush, stop protecting me right. and give us the power. <laughs> well, an increasing number of high-ranking military offici uh, officials are coming forward and uh, detailing the extent to which the disaster in Iraq has substantially and seriously undermined U.S. military capabilities and preparedness. Uh, any argument that we are being protected by this preemptive war in Iraq is, you know, flawed on its face because, uh, quite simply, the military, which was already, you know, bloated and inefficient and uh, in many ways padded uh, with the concepts of the illusions that fostered the Cold War, um, is now essentially stretched and shattered. Um, so whatever protection there was is now less, in fact, than uh, was the case before the Iraq War. And indeed, at the press conference with Tony Blair, uh, as he's doing his little farewell song. <laughs> of course, Tony Blair probably wanted to get out of England to escape the papers, too, because uh, he's been pretty consistently hammered in the last week and a half himself. Well, he continues to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, <laughs> with America. Yeehaw. Um, Bush asserted, uh, when asked questions about this NSA uh, hospital bed visit by Gonzalez and Andrew Card, I'm not going to talk about it. Well, indeed. And today, we'll just give him another brain damage award. He expressed full confidence in Alberto Gonzalez, claiming that uh, there's no wrongdoing on his part. Well, not exactly. <laughs> um, there's going to be hearings later this week to... Uh, well, uh, Monica Goodling is going to testify on Wednesday before the Senate Judiciary Committee. There's apparently going to be a vote of no confidence motion uh, put forward in the Senate uh, that perhaps will be filibustered and blocked by um, other Republicans, but perhaps not. Uh, Gonzalez, I suspect, uh, may eventually either be forced to resign or, uh, shall we say, be impeached because the Senate does have that right. Indeed. And uh, we know what Gonzal why Gonzalez is in uh, the position he's in. He's there to protect, protect the president. And one interesting anecdote, uh, and some journalist asked him a question about what he missed about not being White House counsel. He said he missed being around George Bush. <laughs> the friendly, carefree days of whimsy. Bedtime for Bonzo, with uh, Bonzo being Bush in bed with uh, the little chimpanzee named Gonzalez. Yeah, well, this uh, claim of full confidence um, should, of course, remind listeners of the previous knuckleheads for whom Bush has expressed full confidence, from Rummy the Big Dummy yeah. to Brownie doing a heck of a job. These are all guys who enjoyed the full confidence of the man who stakes the claim to be called the president of the United States uh, in an administration where loyalty, uber alles. Uber alles, is indeed. essentially the, the rule of thumb. Just an interesting little um, anecdotal piece of uh, language here from former President Carter. Uh, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a, I don't think there is one, a flawless president. They've all had serious flaws some deeper than others um carter of course not perfect but uh i would call him and i think we've talked about this before our best ex-president um as far as what he's done with his uh, career since uh, leaving the oval office and for a 
mild-mannered, if plain-spoken fellow. Uh, this language uh, over the weekend from him is pretty striking. Former President Carter says Bush's administration is, quote, the worst in history. Um, criticism from Carter, which a biographer says is unprecedented for the 39th president. Remember also, I'll add here parenthetically, um, the language from President Ford mm-hmm. um, that emerged after his death, uh, stating basically the same thing. Um, to continue Carter's quote here, I think as far as the adverse impact on the nation around the world, this administration has been the worst in history. The overt reversal of America's basic values as expressed by previous administrations, including those of George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon and others, have been the most disturbing to me. And, you know, let's face it, to Trump, Reagan and Nixon in awfulness is quite an accomplishment. I'm sure none of us thought that it would happen in our lifetimes. And um, yet here we see. Yes, here we see um, continuing incompetence. I, by the way, finished uh, finally this uh, State of Denial, Bush at War by Bob Woodward. Hmm. Uh, Many things are interesting about the account. Of course, Woodward at some level uh, needs to be uh, treated with some caution as a bit of a court historian. But here I think uh, using top-level sources, which uh, I would argue include Andrew Card and Colin Powell and Richard Armitage, uh, which uh, we've previously known about uh, Armitage's involvement with Woodward, are significant. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things about the sort of uh, inept uh, post-war um, <clears throat> management, uh, by, if you want to call it that, by the Bush administration regarding the war is the complete gap, the sort of the chasm between what Condi Rice and Bush wanted to do uh, with post-war Iraq and what Rumsfeld wanted to do. Uh, Rumsfeld, of course, insisted on being the man in charge, and it took the Bush administration uh, something like 14 months to actually transfer power to the State Department. That was a battle between Rumsfeld and Powell uh, before the war ever started that uh, apparently Bush uh, gave Rumsfeld the authority to be in charge. But Rumsfeld, in defense of Rumsfeld, if we can defend anyone that odious, he had a different concept. He really did want to get the troops out uh, quickly. Um, but it was the White House that kept insisting on this sort of grandiose Middle East project in which occupying Iraq would serve as a model uh, for asserting an example, shall we say. And that it would pay for itself by yeah. exploiting and marketing Iraqi oil. Yeah, and indeed, last week I quoted Rumsfeld specifically telling um, Jay Garner that we're not going to pay for this. The Iraqis are going to pay for rebuilding. Well, indeed, they're paying with their lives. And, you know, just over the weekend we get, uh, oh, six Americans and their interpreter were killed Saturday in roadside bombs uh, in western Baghdad. Uh, The casualty uh, number now is up to 71 for the month of May, just this month. And, of course, in April it was 104. We have another front page story um, about previously um, unrevealed information about the private contractors. And this, of course, is interesting. Um, The article by John Broder and James Risen, who's written a number of, uh, Risen, that is, has written a number of important, he was the guy that broke the NSA uh, Mm -hmm. article, by the way, Uh, a number of important stories over the years. 
uh, points out that 146 contract workers have been killed in Iraq during the first three months of this year, bringing the total to 917, along with 12,000 wounded. And later in the article, um, it's interesting, and I'll just quote this paragraph. He says, companies that have lost workers in Iraq uh, were generally unresponsive to questions about the numbers of deaths and the circumstances that led to casualties. None acknowledged that they had seen an increase this year. But a spokesman for the American Insurance Group, the insurance company that covers about 80% of the contractor force in Iraq, said that it's, it had seen a sharp increase to uh, in death and injury claims in recent months. The Labor Department records show that in addition to the 146 dead in the first three months this year, another 3,430 contractors filed claims for wounds or injuries suffered in Iraq. And it's important to note, by the way, that these quote-unquote contractors are performing the functions of the American military in, in many instances. In fact, this is part of the outsourcing right. of these uh, responsibilities uh, that uh, accelerated uh, under um, our Uber Alas uh, commander-in-chief, Mr. President, who uh, is uh, always looking out for us. He's, his job is to protect you. It's also worth noting, of course, <laughs> that the rates of pay that these contractors, who are, as you correctly say, fulfilling uh, duties previously performed by U.S. military are much higher yeah. than soldiers are being paid. Much higher than soldiers. And incredibly, uh, Keith Oberman reported last week that George Bush is actually actively opposing a pay increase for our troops, claiming that the extra $6 a month that they would be getting is too much. We're talking about a, this man is quibbling about half a percent. This is incredible. $6, folks. $6 a month. That's too much to pay our soldiers. Meanwhile, he'll go around the country. Support the troops. Support troops. And use them as props to continue yeah. his Oh, well, that's the only people messianic, he can speak yeah. mm -hmm. comfortably in front of. Yeah, because um, they've been ordered to keep quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't and embarrass One wonders how too. much longer that might last, because with, as I mentioned earlier, just moments ago, with increasing numbers of higher-ranking military brass speaking out, it's just a matter of time before one of these, and, you know, we, we began the program by talking about Bush's complaint about uh, the criticism of Gonzalez being uh, something like political theater. Well, these people began the war with the most ludicrous act of political theater in our country's history, mm -hmm. declaring mission accomplished by landing on a uh, aircraft carrier in uh, somewhat uh, ridiculous fashion. And um, one can only hope that somewhere down the line he's going to be hackled off stage by rank and file soldiers. I think that that day might come soon. Well, and maybe even arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Even better yet. Let's remember that uh, during uh, some of the dark days of the Nixon White House, when he was uh, apparently uh, hitting the bottle a little heavily and... Uh, Out of touch with reality evermore. Asking Henry to get down on his knees and pray with him. Uh, James Schlesinger actually, as Pentagon Secretary of Defense, told the Pentagon, ignore any orders that Richard Nixon may give about starting a nuclear war. Just ignore him, because he's not all there, folks. 
Well, this guy hasn't been all there for a long time. Uh, of course, Reagan was the first president, I believe, to appoint a drug czar. As you mentioned earlier, we now have a war czar. Maybe what Bush needs is a segue. That'll keep him busy. Yeah. The New York police have bought a fleet of segways, and they're cruising around town on them now. I'm not sure the extent to which they'll be able to beat people from the segways. Um, they do look rather ridiculous if you've ever seen anyone cruising around on a Segway. Um, well, I remember when they came out, they were going to be the invention that would change the world. I remember hearing that, and I thought to myself, I don't think so. No, that was either the light bulb or toilet paper. I'm not sure, but the Segway is not going to change the world. You know, I suppose for people with you know, arthritic conditions or perhaps the morbidly obese uh, who need to be a little bit more mobile than they're otherwise capable of being, could be a good thing. I wish Cheney would segue himself. <laughs> in both senses of that word. In yes. the radio segue sense of, okay, we're fading this one down, baby. Segway himself right into uh, Western Baghdad. Yeah. Outside the green zone. See if he's greeted. Away from the Taco Bell. Greeted with candy and flowers, as he uh, once said. Indeed. Well, um, so we'll we'll keep you posted on how the New York City police fare with their fleet of segways. Um, but I think maybe if Bush had a plaything like that, it just might keep him busy enough. I also want to mention, uh, since we uh, were preceded tonight by a relatively new program, sports being on hiatus for the summer, uh, Masters of Deception, hosted by uh, Alex Sergey there. Uh, some very interesting information about lobbyist groups. An article... In uh, yesterday's Ann Arbor News about the massive increase in lobbyists in the state of Michigan. Um, lobbyists now outnumber legislators in the fine state of Michigan 9 to 1. Wow. Um, term limits and tight state budgets are forcing interest groups to hire more lobbyists and spend more money than ever to try and influence Michigan lawmakers. In uh, 2001, lobbyists spent $17.8 million dollars on uh, donations, influence, uh, and so forth. 2006, that number is up to $22.7 million. And what is the public getting for all this lobbying in action? Right. Um, you know, once again, it's going to be fascinating to see what actually happens on June 1st, uh, given this uh, this basic <laughs> refusal um, by the um, part-time, and I use that word in quotes, Legislature, the term limits have turned out to be, uh, they've had the unintended consequence of sort of repeatedly putting people with no experience in key jobs. Right. And this, of course, is one of the themes of the Bush administration's mismanagement of Iraq. Uh, it's interesting to remember that Monica Goodling, who will testify later this week, is a proud uh, graduate of Regent University that is ranked in the bottom. Uh, 25 percentile of law schools in the country, yet it seems that there are 150 recent graduates of Regent Law School that are in the Bush administration's Justice Department um, firing uh, long-time experienced, uh, shall we say, University of Michigan and Harvard-educated uh, lawyers uh, for their positions. This is fascinating stuff, and of course, with the recent uh, passing of Jerry Falwell, uh, we'll just give him a brain damage award for once asserting that Tinky Winky was gay. 
I always thought Fala bore a striking resemblance to Tinky Winky, personally. Yeah, and you know, uh, that may have been his sort of roundabout way of kind of coming out. Yeah. We, we'll never know, of course, but... Um yeah, not much to say about uh, Falwell. And, you know, the one thing I will say is that the uh, papers, I think, uh, were grossly uh, in error by calling him the founder of the moral majority, when I think that should be the so-called moral majority, yeah. since it, of course, was neither. Always a razor-thin minority, although uh, a very influential one politically, especially within the confines of the mental institution known as the Republican Party. Um but uh, certainly uh, the programs and the positions and the agenda of the uh, so-called moral majority, uh, highly questionable, dubious moral ethics, um, if you take the basic teachings of Christ as presented in the Bible um, to be the you know, standard tenets of moral behavior for a Christian. And it's fascinating to observe this balkanization of the evangelical movement here in America. There's been a lot of... Uh prominent mainstream stories about how some of the evangelical uh, groups have uh, demanded, for instance, action on climate change, yeah. are more concerned about AIDS, for instance, than Falwell ever was, and are pursuing a different agenda that may actually be a little more consistent with uh, Christ's uh, actual message in the Bible. Falwell and Robertson, of course, are now um, founders of major universities that actually provide the they're sort of the farm team of our uh, current government yep that is frightening and of course uh, we learned from Bob Woodward's book that while George Bush doesn't read the newspapers um, or any uh, substantive analysis he does get up early every morning and read the Bible that's his key uh, document that guides his thinking you got to check the Sermon on the Mount so uh, Put that in your pipe and smoke it, and remember that it is true. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, out of time. We'd like to thank uh, the tag team of Alex, Sergey, and uh, Yelchin for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Lies too brazen even for Fox Broadcasting. A talk show that will kick NPR's ass. The show no serious radio station would ever consider. You lying sack of... If Garrison Keeler and Richard Simmons were locked in a broom closet for five straight days, these are the stories that would be their love child. A love child raised on milk duds and pixie sticks. So every Wednesday, 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 from 2 to 4.30 p.m., tune into WCBN for you lying sack of... Oh, you look so good. Oh, you look so good. 
makes me want to try your honey cause you look so good. She's a little old girl, turning brown and black. Every time she loves me, it's good like that. She looks so good. Oh, she looks so good. 